Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. This is Issues 2021. I'm Steve McIntosh, and our guest is Sedgwick County Sheriff Jeff Easter. Welcome to Issues 2021, Sheriff. Nice to have you with us. Well, I appreciate it, Steve. I always look forward to this. It appears that we have the worst behind us when it comes to the COVID pandemic, although people are still getting sick all the time. How would how would you describe the pandemic impact on the operation of the Sedgwick County Sheriff's Department? <laughs> uh, it has had uh, a huge impact on us. Um, you know, from the beginning of it, uh, taking all the precautions we could, uh, we still ended up with numerous inmates that uh, tested positive for COVID. Uh, some were hospitalized. Um, our staff started coming down with COVID, which already created a bigger issue than, than we already had with being short personnel. Uh, so, you know, we've, we've got through uh, the main portion of that, which was last August when we were hit really hard. Uh, it flared back up a little bit. We've had 19 positive tests um since april and we've had a few uh deputies come down with COVID as well and so uh but it's not been near the impact the problem is is that um the court backlog um because of COVID, that's where we're really seeing the effects and so we have right now uh, 119 folks that have allegedly committed murder in our custody uh and then a lot of other really um, hideous type crimes that have been committed that are in our custody because the courts are now back open, but they're trying to get through this backlog, which means we're full and uh, it's mainly now violent criminals. Over 75% are, are charged with a uh, felony type crime, mainly violent crimes. Well, well I'm sure, the, as you said, some of your people have caught the virus. Have you lost anyone in the department to COVID? No, uh, we have not. Okay. Very, very good. thankful for that. We've had a couple people um, were in ICU, uh, hospitalized. When, when we say lost, we have not had anybody pass away. Uh, we have had uh, one retirement because uh, of previous issues that they had plus COVID. Uh, they couldn't return to work. We have another one uh, that is probably going down that path as well. Just uh, created a lot of health issues for him. What is the department's policy regarding vaccinations? I'm sure it's the same as for for the entire county. But what is that policy? If there is one, uh, right now it's it's their choice. Um, uh, when um, Johnson and Johnson uh, came out, uh, the health department came here to the facility on two different occasions and 
quite a few people got the Johnson and Johnson vaccine. That's the one time shot, right? Yes. Okay. Do your uh, deputies on the street uh, take special precautions during their daily contact with the public? I mean, I could see somebody pulling somebody over for a speeding ticket and and basically get into fairly close contact with them. Yeah, so um, we've we've lifted the ban uh, or we've lifted um, uh, the procedures we had in place where they had to have a mask on with any contact, those type of things. Uh, we still have deputies that, that practice that. Um, and so we haven't seen near uh, the exposures in the commission side or patrol division as we saw in the jail. And the jail is it's close proximity all the time. Um, and it's just a little bit different environment because it's indoors as well. It's indoors. There's instances, though, where you're going to have to, I, I presume, take a uh, uh, somebody and put them in the back of the uh, of a squad car. And yes. That's pretty and close so, contact. <laughs> yeah, and, and we put that back into place that, um, you know, if we're transporting people, uh, they have to mask up. They need to put a mask on uh, the prisoner as well, and then they have to be masked uh, when they come inside the jail. You know, we've talked uh, before about the mental challenges law enforcement faces in uh, the people the, the officers confront, the suspects or the perpetrators. Has there been an uptick in that kind of behavior during the pandemic? In other words, has that, that mental behavior out there gotten worse, better? No change. <laughs> um, yeah, I you know the we want to. I, I hear a lot of people talk about. Well, this is all because of COVID. I, I can tell you, COVID has exacerbated the issue. Um, however, my belief still is um, the amount of drug usage that is taking place in this community is over the top, and methamphetamine has just created all kinds of issues. And so that also emulates mental health issues because it burns holes in your brain uh, that they never get that function back. And so you throw that on top of uh, just the violent nature of society right now. Uh, COVID could be a piece of that, uh, but there's a lot of violence taking place in, the, in this community. And I think it's, it's not just one issue that's creating that. But, you know, we've talked about meth before, and I think that you've told me that's the, the biggest drug problem you have in the county. Uh, and I don't, frankly, don't know much about it. I understand. Well, that's you, good. You have to. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to help you out there, but I, I understand you have to cook it. And there's the things you, you have to be kind of a little, have a little lab going. But, gosh, it, it sounds like there are a lot of people out there who know what they're doing. They know more than I do about making this stuff. Yeah, you know, uh in the 90s, uh, we used to have what was called Klan labs or Nazi labs uh, where they were cooking it themselves. Uh, state of Kansas passed a f- fantastic law where they can't get access to more than two boxes of uh, the main ingredient, which is pseudoephedrine. It's all coming across the border now, so it's all cartel meth. Uh, they control the market. Uh, they've made it extremely cheap right now, which that's how you get more people addicted to it. Uh, and that's what we're facing. And so meth is, is the cheapest drug you can buy out there right now. And that's what uh, folks with addiction issues have turned to. Uh, the problem with meth is it's man-made. Um, anything that's man-made is a lot worse for you uh, than naturally grown like coca plants and those type of things. And so um, it, it does it, – it manipulates your systems. It eats through your systems. Uh, and, again, it emulates – 
that they have mental health issues um, at the same time. So we have mental health crises that are taking place, plus you throw methamphetamine on top of that, and that's why we're in the dilemma we're in right now. And um, most of the uh, violent crime that we work, there is a meth component to it. Either they were high on it, they were trying to get it, uh, or they were trying to take it from somebody else for their own use. And you mentioned something there that I've noticed just in covering the news, and that is the, the nature of the violence that people are perpetrating on each other. I mean, uh, they don't just shoot them. They, they mutilate their bodies, do all kinds of things. Mm-hmm. That meth, just, does it just make them go crazy? Is that what it was? Yeah, it, it, you, you throw on top of that the fact that when they're smoking meth, they are um, having a lot of uh, sleep issues, sleep deprivation, uh, the craving to continue to smoke meth, uh, and basically they can't sleep. And so when you throw all that in, um, that will cause a lot of issues within the brain uh, that people will do things that not necessarily they would do in the right frame of mind. And that goes on quite a bit with, with folks that are smoking meth. So where are we in dealing with this, uh, with the mental and drug challenges? Just a never-ending well, battle? I mean, uh, yeah. You know, we've been fighting the battle on drugs for since the 80s. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. as a beat cop in, in Wichita where uh, you're very hard-nosed, and if you're in possession of drugs, you go to jail and hopefully go off to prison. Um, that didn't work then. It's not really working now, uh, to be honest with you. Uh, I can tell you inside the jail, there's very few people that are inside uh, or waiting trial inside the jail for simply possessing any type of narcotic. When you come in for possession of, of a narcotic, uh, they're released within about an hour or two uh, because it's going to take us time to get it tested, to find out exactly what it is, to be able to present for charges. And you only have 72 hours to charge a case. And it's going to take longer than that. So our jail here is not full of just people that use drugs. Um, now, there, it's full of people that use drugs and committed terrible other crimes, um, but through the Mental Health and social, uh, Substance Abuse Coalition that has been formed, we're looking at other ways to address these two issues, uh, and it's to address it in a collaborative effort with other um, nonprofits and other entities that, that possess the skills to give treatment uh, on both of those issues and bringing us closer together and providing a more holistic look uh, at those issues and getting people back up on their feet and being productive again. Uh, you know, we have 1,500 inmates inside the walls here. If we can uh, turn the lives around of 10% of people, I mean, that's you know, 300 people that are no longer in the jail that taxpayers are paying to keep locked up. Uh, so we we still have to do the enforcement. We still have to try to el- uh, eliminate the drugs coming into this community. But on the backside, the incarceration of people using drugs just isn't taking place anymore. The laws aren't set up to incarcerate them. And so uh, we have got to look at this as a community of doing it differently. Uh, and hoping that we'll have some successes along the way, um, that folks are back up on their feet, uh, they're productive citizens, they're uh, mothers and fathers again uh, to their kids, and move on. Is this coalition a relatively new uh, thing? Uh, Uh, We started it here officially about two years ago. Okay. Okay. 
and it involves folks from uh, the nonprofit world, law enforcement, the DA, uh, business uh, folks from the community, uh, of course, Comcare, uh, uh, SAC, which is the Substance Abuse uh, Center of Kansas, uh, and uh, Via Christi. And so uh, it started out as us all kind of pointing fingers at each other because we we're so everybody is so overwhelmed that it, this is your fault and why can't you do this better and blah blah blah. We quickly got over that and figured out this is all our problem and we need to look at it differently. And that's where we've gone. So uh, we built a strategic plan. Um, we have uh, some specific goals because the other problem here, even though we're a large city, we don't have near enough mental health workers. Uh, Comcare is a uh, hundred and some odd people short. Uh, from what they need to do to provide uh, better mental health care. Uh, Via Christi has been kind of uh, dumped into the uh, de facto mental health hospital here in Wichita because we have issues at the state level with them properly funding Osawatomie and Larnard and uh, those type of things. So the system is is very, uh, in my opinion, somewhat broke, uh, but it is very overwhelmed, and that's why we're seeing all this hit at the same time. Yeah, I would, that was one of my questions. Was be what, what's the state's role in this? The state of Kansas are they uh, attuned to what's going on and they're ready to come and help with it any way they can? Or they... well, they're they're in tune and legislators are in tune. I mean, I'm serve on several committees now um, at the legislative level uh, to talk about what exactly is going on and the assistance that's needed from the state level because Osawatomie uh, has been in a moratorium now for six years and don't have. Uh, several beds that they can't use and, and those type of things. Uh, Larnard uh, does the mental health evaluations and for the criminally mentally ill um, and then restoration. Well, you know, there's we have some inmates in here that are waiting for 14 months um, to go have their mental health evaluated and restored uh, before they can even stand trial. So they're setting in here for 14 months. We have one individual that... Um, here about six weeks ago, uh, got into a fight with one of our uh, deputies, and our deputy suffered about six facial fractures. Uh, he is an issue every day. I uh, just reviewed another video the other day where he was fighting uh, deputies, and they had to tase him. Well, he's on the wait list to go to Larnard. Uh, that shouldn't be that way. Uh, this guy is uh, got has a lot of issues, and we're not equipped here uh, in the jail to deal with the mental health issues because we're not we can't give. He won't take medication, so we cannot force him to take medication without a court order, mm. uh, those type of things that the state has the, the opportunity to do. Uh, but they're so uh, backlogged that, you know, we still have him sitting here. We have an individual uh, that's been sitting here at least six years now uh, awaiting murder, and it's the individual that uh, raped and set the young lady on fire up at Fairmont Park. He still hasn't gone to trial because of his mental health issues. Mm. And so, yeah, we need more help from the state, plain and simple. But we also took took it on that we weren't getting that help uh, that we needed, so we've got to do something locally to solve some of our own issues. You're listening to Issues 2021 on the Odyssey radio stations, and our guest is Sedgwick County Sheriff Jeff Easter. I want to turn this uh, into a, a little more personal thing, not for you personally, but uh, I know among my friends, and I'm a middle-aged person or whatever, among my male friends that I hang out with, during this pandemic, they have, we've almost, to a man, expressed some degree of depression or mm-hmm. dark moods or whatever 
just in dealing with that. How about your deputies and your, your, your officers? Are they seeing the same thing? Yeah. You know, the other thing that um, we're experiencing is, is, is folks that um, uh, have gone into a mental health crisis while on the job. Uh, and we've had to take them to the hospital to deal with uh, some of those emotions. So everyday life still goes on. Um, but it seems to me that we're having a lot more issues with everyday life uh, and then folks having a hard time dealing with that and then compiled with overwork here with COVID, uh, those type of issues. And then, of course, the uh, stuff that happened last summer um, where, you know, the law enforcement took quite the beating. And so um, we have a lot of people that are, are suffering those same things as uh, citizens such as yourself. And so we have to take care of our people because if we're not healthy in mind and in, in our health, our physical health, uh, then we're not going to be able to help anybody. So uh, we have done uh, a lot of changes within the sheriff's office. We've started a uh, health and wellness co- uh, coordinating position and that's doing peer support. And so we have about 35 people trained on, trained on peer support to help our folks uh, for just you know things that they might be experiencing to prevent them getting into a mental health crisis. And that program is building uh, as we speak. We're going to be adding a therapist so that we have a uh, therapist uh, within the sheriff's office to be able to talk to uh, these folks because cops are very leery uh, about talking about their problems. And, and that's uh, we got to change the culture on that because historically, you know, even when, when I came on, it, you know, we were told just to kind of suck it up and uh, go back and make the next call and uh, not to show emotion. Well, uh, you know, that's led to... Uh, divorce rates being high, um, suicide rates, and alcoholism within law enforcement is very high. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's because we haven't handled that very well. Mm-hmm. And so we've got to make changes to allow our folks to be successful and healthy while they're doing this profession. Mm-hmm. And the other day, we've had a couple of officer-involved shootings here in the city recently. Mm-hmm. That's just one more aspect of the stress that's involved with being a law enforcement officer. You know, you're gonna, you may have to face that terrible situation at any time oh you have to face it and you know uh all the you know all the cops i grew up around and the cops i work with now that's not why we joined uh law enforcement was to uh shoot people and and if you have to take another one's life but uh you also know that um these folks a lot of times put themselves in that situation uh that are responsible for their actions and we have to uh, protect life and and property. And sometimes that means we have to uh, engage in, um, you know, a use of force situation that can turn deadly. Hmm. Let's go back to the jail for just a second, because during the pandemic, we've talked about the fact that the jail's a little bit different from from other, uh, from from, from prison or something like that when it comes to a pandemic, because you've got people coming in and out all the time, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's it's very unique. And I, I, found it somewhat, um, I don't know the exact word here, amusing, I guess, but uh, that, you know, people on the outside that have no idea on jailing services, you know, want to tell you how the jail should be run. Well, the fact of the matter is, is that we have people coming and going nonstop. And, um, you know, we quarantine for 10 days, all the new people coming in. So that takes up space. Uh, we quarantine folks that have tested positive. That takes up space. Um, we have individuals in here that are flagged against each other. 
so they can't be around other people. So that takes up space to keep everybody separated. We then have sex offenders who can't be in general population because of their offenses. The other inmates will probably do something to them. So that takes up space. In the end, there's not enough space to do everything that is recommended uh, by the CDC or mainly the state of Kansas in a jail. Um, and so, you know, we do the best we can uh, to hopefully stop the spread of, of COVID. But at the same time, we also have to look out for the safety of the prisoners in our custody, which means we can't compromise the other policies and mechanisms we have in place to keep, keep people away from each other. You know, when you have the violence that we have going on, you have folks that are in here for, um, you know, murder charges themselves and a family member of theirs gets murdered and those people come into our custody. Uh, and usually it's not just one, it's more than one person that's involved in those murder cases. So everybody has to keep, we have to keep them separated for everything. Um, and that takes a lot of time and effort and coordination on our behalf. How many, and how many people do you have in, in custody right now? who are waiting uh, to go to trial on homicide charges. What is it, 75, something like that? Uh, 119 people oh, waiting for I'm homicide sorry. charges. I was a yeah. little low there. Wow. Yeah. Lucky yeah, we had 121 the other day. A couple of cases got resolved. Uh, that's the most ever that – well, every every time there's a murder, it turns into being the most ever. Usually we, we set around 60, 65 people waiting homicide charges. You know, we're double that right now. Is the courts now, are they pretty well getting going? Or are they up and running? Or? They're up and running, uh, yes. Um, but, you know, homicide cases are unique. I mean, it's uh, those are long, drawn-out, involved cases. You can't just say, okay, I'm ready for court today, and, and uh, the accused gets their day in court, which means uh, they uh, their lawyers will file different type of uh, um, motions, hearing, motions uh, <laughs> for you know, suppression of evidence, suppression of statements, those type of things. And so they, they take time uh, to work through. And, you know, the DA's office is doing the best they can to uh, work those cases through the system and also make sure that that uh, that person uh, that's accused of that crime um, is treated fairly and receives a fair trial. Here's a problem that everybody in the country has right now, and I'm sure you do too, and that is you probably got the help wanted, the help oh, wanted yeah. sign out and you're not uh, finding yeah. enough people to fill fill the slots. What's your employment situation looking right right like right now? Yeah, we have 17 people uh, or 17 recruits in the academy right now, uh, which is a very large academy class for us uh, on the commission side. We are still currently 75 deputies uh, down inside the jail, and so. Uh, we contribute to some of that. Uh, Ten of the 17 uh, recruits came from the jail, which is a very good thing. We also have other agencies uh, in the area that take our detention deputies and, and give them the opportunity to be uh, commissioned police officers for them, uh, which we've always been um, an entity that, that law enforcement comes and looks for um, because of their experience and their training that they receive as detention deputies, which is a good thing. So we, we will always have that rotation. But uh, the fact of the matter is, is we don't have a lot of people applying uh, in law enforcement in general, which means they're not going to apply for the jail because most people that apply for the jail want to be cops somewhere. And so, yes, we are experiencing um, major issues with personnel, uh, not enough, not staffed enough. All of us have been working inside of the jail, all commission, uh, colonels, captains, myself have been working inside the jail to make up for the lack of staff. And so there's a level of burnout that's taking place in amongst 
uh, our staff who normally doesn't work in the jail either. Plus, they work on the streets. So uh, it's a problem. We've we've done some things differently. We've cut down our academy class so we can infuse people in there uh, quickly. Uh, we're looking at um, some additional camera systems so pods can be monitored uh, by camera, not with the deputy inside the pod. Uh, to free up personnel to do other things. So we're looking at a whole variety of issues to uh, to help get us moving forward. Mm. Um, I, you know, I will tell you, uh, generally, uh, my first six, seven years here, uh, the amount that we were short in the jail was around 30 to 40. Right now, uh, the last year and a half, it's been 70 to 90. Well, and so I, mean, I hope that's not the new norm, but if it is, got to figure out other ways to, uh, to continue to keep our people safe and the folks that we have in our custody. All right. We're out of time. Hey, thanks as always. I know you haven't been well, so I appreciate you being on with us this morning. I appreciate it, Steve. I always look forward to it. Okay. Thanks a lot. That's, uh, of course, our Sedgwick County Sheriff, Jeff uh, Jeff Easter, and that's all for this edition of Issues 2021. We'll be back next week. Thank you for listening. I'm Steve McIntosh.